This is the Motion Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like more information about Motion Church, you can always visit our website at motionchurch.com. If you'd like to contribute to what God is doing here at Motion, you can do that at motionchurch.com forward slash give. We hope you enjoyed today's message. All right, good morning. Uh, Chris got a little preach in him, don't he? Mr. Chris Johnson, that was so good. Uh, I love, I think it's in the name. I think there's just, there's something about it. I'm just kidding, that's a joke. Because uh, I know plenty of Chris's that can't preach, right? One of them. Hey, so we're doing a series. Why is that so funny? That is just, that's too much. So we're doing a series called Beautitudes. Before we get into it, I'm always, I'm always careful about like giving shout outs and stuff like that. Because um, I think it could be weird. Like if it does anything to do with you, you're like, I don't care. Right, y'all ever been there? Um, but I do want to do a couple of shout outs this morning. Uh, one, Trunk, can you wave your hand? All right, so how many of you guys like the, uh, the Motion Church logo? Yes. Same logo we've had for 13, about 12 and a half years is when we created it. Well, that's the guy that created it. Pretty, pretty cool. I mean, that was pathetic. I think y'all can do better than that, because I think it's really awesome. So, not only did he create it, but he also helped us kind of when we started, we get, we started, started, we started starting, we began the church. He was one of the guys that helped us kick it off. And so, awesome. Love you. Thank you. Glad, glad you're back. Such a cool thing. Thanks, man. Like Air Dad. Boom. Good. All right, one more. I'll do one more shout out since we're doing shout outs. And this is where it gets bad. It's like, where do you stop, right? Um, can, I'm going to embarrass you guys. You're good with that? All right. Davis, the Kyra. So as you, most of y'all probably know, I talk about coaching a lot. So I coached Little League football. So I did it for 10 years. It took 30 years off my life. Uh, I don't know if you guys know how that works. Like just the, cause I'm, I'm entirely too uh, involved. Like I care way, Shelly's like, you just, you, it's, not, it's not your fault that you're angry. You just care too much. And I'm like, I care a lot, right? Uh, so anyway, I coached these guys for 10 years, a very long time. Like when they were four years old, five years old, when you started, right? Something like that. Yeah. And Davis, you're a senior in high school. Man, Kyra, sophomore, junior. Sophomore. You old. You know what that means? I mean, I'm old. Anyway, and that was our team mom, Miss Katara. So one of them. You and Shanky held it down. Listen, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get off for just. I promise, I, we're gonna have a message, and it's gonna be glorious, and everybody's gonna be edified and encouraged, and all of those sorts of things. But you know what I love about, about our team is I didn't have to worry about anything. I just showed up. I yelled at some kids. I coached football. Anything that was happening behind me, they would take care of. Like so, anytime somebody started running their mouths in the stands, like I just knew they'd be like, "What? What'd you say about my coach?" <laughs> One of them was really violent. You were more calm. Anyway. Good morning. Good morning. Just got on all kinds of stuff. Uh, so we, like I said, a few weeks ago, we kicked off a series called Beautitudes. Uh, I know it's a strange thing. Uh, it's not a real word. We made it up. So it's Beatitudes and attitude kind of all conglomerated into a word. Uh, so what we've been looking at are the Beatitudes, which are these, these blessings found in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus kind of went through this list, and he's like, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. Um, and it's these, these things that we wouldn't normally or necessarily consider to be blessings, but Jesus is like, hey, these things, if you look at them from the right perspective, if you allow me to take the things in your life that you don't think are good and do my thing and you stop trying to control everything and you relinquish that control to me, I can do some things in your life that you can't do for yourself. God, that was really good. Man, I thought that was better than you guys did. That's fine. 
And so that's kind of what we've been looking at is, is through the, the lens of, we've been looking at these blessings through the lens of how do we have a, a better attitude? What is a better attitude? How do we have a beautiful attitude in this particular instance? Because um, as I've shared regularly, my attitude is not always beautiful. Sometimes it's just ugly. U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi, you ugly, right? Um, and so, I, and I don't, that's not what I want, right? I want, I want, Shelly, we have this conversation a lot. My grand, my grandpa is like the coolest dude on the face of the earth. Like he's 92, almost 92, something like that. Almost 91, my bad. But he's like, he rocks the trucker hats. You know what I'm talking about? Drives way too fast and pays no attention. Like he's just, he's the one that's like looking over into the field, checking out the cows. And then like slightly back on the road and then oh more cows over here and just rolling. Um, but he's like the, the most jovial, happy, like just very, you know, uh, great attitude person you'll ever meet. And Shelly's like, um, aren't you trying to be more like that? Because you're not headed in the right direction. And I was like, that is very disrespectful. But you're right. You're right. And so I think about these things a lot. And so fortunately for us, this particular passage has, has a lot to say about what it means to have uh, the right kind of attitude. And so let's go through. We'll read the whole passage, and then we'll focus in on our point for the day. It says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Again, not something we would normally consider a blessing. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Like, we, we associate blessing with being rich, right? So if you're blessed, you're rich. But Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who are meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so, so Jesus kind of lists, again, all of these things that, that we're trying to, to understand better, to, to take what we would understand to be something that's not necessarily good, and see and believe how God would take it and turn it into something good. So we started the first week, I think we talked about what it means to be meek, and then we talked about what it means to be merciful, and then last, or the last time that we did this, we took a one-week hiatus for the birthday party, right? Um, but we talked about what it means to be pure in heart, and so this week, we're going to focus on Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, and it is this, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Now, as you may know, probably know, a lot of times these, these words that are used, for example, generally in older language, they would, they would use, for example, men, they would say man, and they would mean all people, right? There were times it was specifically a man or men, and there were other times when it would say man, it would mean all people. And so when it says that, that we are peacemakers and we shall be called sons of God, one translation says children of God. Like it's an, an invitation for all of us, it's not exclusive, but for all of us to be sons of God or children of God. You can be a daughter of God, right? You're a child of God. Everybody clear on that? Just feel like it's always worth clarifying those things. Can I get some Kleenex before we get going? Because what's going to happen is I'm going to... How many of you guys have been allergenic? Is that what it is? I just... It's... Is it? Obviously, Right? So what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to kind of look at this passage, look at this verse, uh, and, and have, I think there's two different things that we're going to look at today. I mean, I know that there are two different things we're going to look at today, I th but I think there are two different, two different angles that are worth considering, maybe two different interpretations to consider. One is more broad and the other more specific. So let's talk about the first one. 
And the first one, is, our point for the first one is family resemblance. Family resemblance. I told the first experience. Um, I tell jokes that are probably inappropriate sometimes, but I just, I don't care. Like, that's fine. If that offends you, I've got something to say to you just a little bit further along. So just get ready for that. But so, so the joke was with the family resemblance. One of my, one of my best friends, is a, he's a black guy. I'm a white dude, obviously. Some people get very uh, uncomfortable when you start talking about these things. Um, and I just don't care. So there you have it. So, and so the joke was, not really the joke, the, the truth is, like, we became really good friends. We were playing football together. We just kind of started to know each other. We were on other teams. He's a little bit faster than I am, or a lot faster than I, I am. Uh, so I had to tackle him when I couldn't, I couldn't reach him. And so I grabbed his shorts, and he kept running. And so uh, our introduction to each other was like, I got, I got to see all of his cheeks. First time we ever met, like, it's all of them. Um, been, been really good friends. So all of that to say, I know that's, that's the inappropriate part, right? Um, there's more to come. Just bear with me. So, so he was, for example, at when, when Rhett was born, he was at the hospital. And so kind of the joke since then has been, you know, he, he'll hold Rhett. And it's like, you see the family resemblance, right? It's like, clearly. And Rhett is white. Like, I'm, I'm, like he didn't get, he got my pigment, not Shelly's Shelley's pigment. Shelly, you know, she's more olive skin. I'm clear, basically, more or less clear with a little red tint to it, you know? And, and so it's just funny to me, if, again, if that offends you, sorry, I don't, I really just don't care if that offends you. Um, but I just think it's hilarious because, you know, the whole family resemblance, and I just think about this idea of family resemblance is like family isn't necessarily the people that look like you, the people, but the people who, who, not necessarily the people who look like you on the outside, but the people who look like you on the inside, like the people who have the same values that you have, that, that's family. I've got family that, that doesn't do anything more for me than, than, let me say this. I'll say it in a better way. I've got people in my life who are more like family than family ever was like family, right? I've got people who have been there for me in times when I needed people to be there for me that had no real relation to me. That's my family. And so just because somebody's in your family, don't mean they're in your family, but if they're family, they're family. If you say the same things over and over, but you say it in a different way, like it's bound to make sense, right? So let's talk about this, this idea of family resemblance. So to be a peacemaker it, it, we have to start with this idea and, and kind of this place of understanding that Jesus came to the earth to bring peace. Like, that's one of the things that he came to do. In fact, if you go back to the book of Isaiah, it's a prophecy about the Messiah, a prophecy about Jesus. In, in chapter 9, verse 6, it says, For us, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, Mighty God, Prince of peace. And so Jesus came to the earth to bring peace. That's, that's one of the things, one of his primary objectives was to bring peace. It was to, to make reconciliation with that which was lost or broken or, or needed to be restored. Colossians chapter 1 verses 19 and 20, it says this, talking about Jesus, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to recon reconcile to himself all things. So, so Jesus is putting things back together, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And, and you start to kind of get an understanding, things on earth, that's us, that's the brokenness, that's the sin. Things in heaven, that would be God. And Jesus is the bridge. He's the peacemaker. He's the one who reconciled the two things. And it said that he, he did this, he accomplished this by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And so Jesus kind of resolved this conflict. There was a conflict as a result of humanity, we, since the creation of the world, 
it says in Ecclesiastes that we have eternity on our hearts. Like we've just always known that there's more than what we see, right? We've always known that, that it can't just be that you live for 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years, and that's it. We just have always believed that there's more. And, and so, I mean, like look at all throughout history and literature, like there's this belief that there's more. And, and kind of the problem has been figuring out what the more is, right? Well, the more is Jesus. The more is having a relationship with him so that we can experience eternity with him. And so he resolved the conflict by coming to the earth and dying on the cross for our sins. And so in that, he, he kind of eliminated the angst because what, what's interesting, if you read, I don't know how much, how much of the Old Testament you're familiar with or, or kind of just Jewish culture and society and religion in, in general, because you know, the Old Testament, that is very much Jewish, right? We are Christians, but y'all understand the, 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 the dynamic, right? I hope you do. If you don't, I probably just really butchered that. Uh, but the Old Testament is, is very much kind of, again, just this, this Jewish belief system, the religious system of the Jews, and we have taken that, and then we've obviously added to that the New Covenant, where Jesus, he didn't say I came to, to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And so we kind of merge and marry these two things. But the Old Testament idea, the Jewish idea of the afterlife and death was, was very hopeless. There was a lot of despair, but Jesus came to bring certainty and clarity about what happens when that, when that takes place for us. It's like, this isn't it for us. There's more for us. And because of that clarity and because of the, the clearness and conciseness of his message, we can have some peace. And that's what he came to do, Prince of Peace. He came to bring that. Y'all know that I think that most people or a lot of people don't have peace because they, they create scenarios in their head that just aren't true. Y'all know some people like that? You've you been somebody like that? In fact, one of the, I believe, one of the, the, the actual definitions of the, the concept of anxiety is starting to allow yourself to feel the emotions of a circumstance that hasn't taken place yet. Right? Th this thing hasn't even occurred yet, and I'm already freaked out about something that hasn't occurred and may not even ever occur. And yet I'm still freaked out. And I think anxiety is kind of one of the opposites of peace. And what's so great about Jesus is like there isn't the uncertainty. There isn't the, the lack of clarity. At least with, with having clarity, have you noticed like even if you don't like the information you've got, at least you've got the information that you've got and you can work with that, right? And sometimes I think that's, that's enough, right? So I know that we're not capable of bringing that kind of solution, like Jesus being the ultimate peacemaker, but we can still bring we can still bring bring peace to the people that are around us. We can still experience peace in our lives, but we can also bring peace to the people that are around us. Let me give you some ideas just just quickly to help us to better understand how we can be peacemakers. The first one is this: we can bring peace by not being contentious. All right, maybe that was a bigger word for some people than you want to. It, stop being petty is maybe a better way to understand it. Like, you know that you don't always have to pick a fight. You don't always have to, to try to look for a reason to be offended and thin-skinned. I, I was kind of thinking about this whole idea earlier. It's like, sometimes I just wake up feeling like this. Does any, anybody else wake up feeling just like you feel, right? And, and I don't know what it is. Like, it's, there's not a rhyme or a reason to it. It's not like anything different happened the night before, the morning of. I just wake up and I'm like, ugh. Anybody else, by a show of hands, please let me know that I'm not alone. How many of you do not ever feel like that? God bless you. And then y'all are, the, are the problem. Y'all are the ones who make us feel like we feel. Because 
you know, anyway. So, so we, could, we could not be, we could start, this is a good place to start, and not being, a, I mean, I'm sorry, in being a peacemaker, maybe just start by not being a peacetaker. Right? If, if you want to be a peacemaker, maybe just start by not being a peacetaker. Don't, don't look at everyone and everything as, as an opportunity to pick a fight. Don't look at everyone and everything as a reason to be offended. Look, if, you, if you're looking for a reason to be offended, you will find a reason to be offended. And, and I'll help you. Like, I'll just, I'll go ahead and help you be offended, right? Like, if you come to church looking for a reason to be offended, look no further. I got you. I will help you out, and then I will help you. There's, I'm just kidding. I will, yeah, I'll help you out, and then I'll help you out, right? So don't, don't look for a reason to be offended. Don't, don't look at life as, as a kind of, again, this picking a fight mentality. Don't look for a way or a reason to be contentious. Maybe instead, think about making peace. Don't take peace, but make peace. Another thing that we can do to be peacemakers is to remember, you, I, we don't always have to be right. And that's hard when you're always right. It's just, it is hard to tell somebody else that they're right when you know that you're right and they're wrong. We, we don't always have to be right. You know that there, there are times when it is, it is more valuable to bring peace to a situation than it is to fact check someone. Anybody else get offended by that? I love fact checking people. Listen, I'm just gonna, I'll, I'm gonna give you some insight into my life. I'll be driving down the road by myself, listening to talk radio or a podcast, because I'm a nerd, and I will have an, I'll get into an argument with somebody presenting an idea about whatever, and I'm like, that's not true, and then I'll just start saying what I think is true to the radio. So I like to fact check people and things, like sometimes it's, it's, there's more value in bringing peace than there is in, in being right, and so kind of the way that this very personally lands for me is like, just let Shelly tell her story. Just, just let her tell her story. Like, she's got most of the details, right? It's just her details are bigger and better than my details. Her details are more glamorous than, than my details or the facts, but whatever. Anybody else get offended by that? Like, God, we just, we got to give up this right to be right, this perceived right to be right. We feel like it's, it's our obligation to be right in the world, and, and that's not really your responsibility, our responsibility is to be a peacemaker and not just tell everybody where they're wrong and where you're right all the time. Um, just, just so you're clear, nobody likes you when you do that. Same. Dang. I love the late laughs. Let me, let me go back to the, uh, the, the part about not being contentious. I forgot to, to bring this up earlier. You know, even in the book of Proverbs, it says, it says, it's better to live on the corner of a rooftop than it is to live with a contentious woman. And I was like, Dang, I said that in the first experience, and somebody laughed. I was like, you did. You done. Over. And I love, like, I love the language of that verse. It's like, not only is it better to live on the roof and get away from that crazy lady, but it's better to live on the corner of that roof so that you don't have to deal with uh, nagging, nitpicking, contentious, fight-picking lady friend, Right? So be, be a peacemaker, not a peacetaker. You don't have to be contentious all the time. You don't have to be looking for a fight to pick all the time. You don't have to be right all the time. Even if you're right all the time, you don't have to be right all the time. So, so the point of the point, the point of, of those ideas is to understand 
the family resemblance. What we're trying to do here, Jesus came to the earth to what? Bring peace. When we make peace in the world around us, in the relationships around us, we're starting to look a little bit more like Jesus. And that's the goal. We're trying to resemble him. We're trying to reflect him. We're trying to be Christ-like. And when we do that, when you do that, when you're Christ-like and you look like Jesus, then you are children of God, furthering this idea, this family idea, right? And so when we create these conditions for peace, we are, we are beginning to look and act like Jesus, and that's the goal. That is a beautiful attitude or a beautitude, right? So that's kind of the broad understanding of, you guys need to loosen it up a little bit. I'm just going to be real with you, right? I mean, like we're having fun, but I also need you to, or maybe, maybe I need to, I was, I was thinking we could start doing like group calisthenics, you know, so everybody's nice and loose. Uh, we won't do that. So the first point, like I said, family resemblance. Second point is this. It's called peace in the forecast. Peace in the forecast. Um, how many of you enjoy looking at the weather app? Anybody? Weather channel, weather app. Um, it's, it's weird the things that you appreciate as you get older. I was, I was thinking earlier, talking earlier about, like, I'll actually stand in my front yard with the water hose now. I'm just like, there's a dry spot. I'm like, I'm an, I'm an old man. Like, I have, I have graduated into the, the stage of wisdom and seasoning in my life um, where that is seasoning. Yes, seasoned ink. I'm seasoned, so I'm seasoning. If I'm seasoned, you can't be seasoned unless there was some seasoning. Hello. So, peace in a forecast. Let, let me kind of give you some ideas of what we're talking about here. So, the first one, again, is broad. It's like the idea that Jesus came to the earth to make peace and we're supposed to do the same. But this one, I think, is a little bit, little bit more specific. It's important to clarify what it means to be a peacemaker because when somebody hears this expression, this, this phrase, peacemaker, I think a lot of times we, we um, automatically assume that it means something along the lines of, can we all just get along, right? Like, I know you're you and I'm me and let's just, let's just all get along. And let me, let me help you out, you out with that. Like, no, we can't all just get along. Um, as, long as, as long as sin is in the world, we can't all just get along. It, it's so funny because what we'll do is we'll spend millions and millions and hundreds of millions and, and billions and probably even trillions of, of dollars now over the course of the last 40, 50, 60, 70 years. And we've sent all of these money to, monies to different parts of the world in hopes of achieving world peace and what, what we fail to recognize and realize is that suits are never going to change. Suits are never going to bring world peace. Jesus is the only one that brings peace. And as long as sin is in the world, that kind of, this idea, this utopian idea of world peace, it, it's a pipe dream. It does not exist. It is not, it is not a possibility. And so, I don't know, I just got on that for a minute. Good morning. So, here, here's the idea. We, we can't all just get along. And so the idea that I think a lot of people have when they hear this expression of Jesus telling us to be a peacemaker, it's like, well, I'll just accept anyone and accept anything. And it doesn't matter what you do. And it doesn't matter how you act. And it doesn't matter what you believe. Then I just, I will accept you. And, and in doing that, I'm being a peacemaker. Now, here's where it gets, the, the lines start to blur in our society not only do we have to accept you if that's the case, we also have to approve of everything that you do. And so the way that this thing is set up, it's kind of set up to fail. If you're a follower of Jesus, we're told that, well, Jesus is love, God is love, therefore you have to be love. And so you have to accept everyone and everything that they do. And now not only do you have to accept everyone and everything that they do, you have to approve of their behavior. 
And that's not peace at all. In fact, I think it's very fascinating that it uses the, the word peacemaker. Because sometimes to make peace, you got to take peace to make peace. I don't know. Maybe I, I didn't fully flush that one out, but I was just thinking about the way, like, for example, Jesus was a great example of this. Like, after all, he's the one whom we're modeling our faith after. And he walked into a situation that he saw needed to be rectified, and he grabbed some tables, and he started flipping those sun guns upside down, right? That's not what we would, we would perceive as peace if we think peace is just, well, can't we all just get along? In that moment, Jesus was like, I'm not getting along with you. I need to tell you some things, and you need to listen. And then he made a whip, and it's like, and I'm like, I like that Jesus a lot. I like the other Jesus, too. That one. I, f- I feel him, right? I don't know why I do what I do. Anyway, so, so the idea of being a peacemaker is not this, this kind of silly, silly concept of just expecting everyone to get along and accepting anything and everything. That's, that's not really the case at all. In fact, what we have to do is we, have to, we can't just pull this verse out and let it try to stand on its own without some context, right? So the context would be interpreting scripture in light of other scripture. And so when it says to be a peacemaker, we also have to consider, for example, verses like this. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, it says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So this, this phrase yoked, unequally yoked, it's kind of a farming phrase, right? So you wouldn't take, you wouldn't take a, a, a stud horse and yoke it with a donkey. Right? It's, not, it's not exactly, it's not conducive, it's not effective. In fact, they, they say that when you put, and y'all know there's another word for a donkey, and some of y'all be hanging out with him. His name is Jack, Just, right? So the problem is, like when you put, uh, you know, a horse or even a mule with a donkey, their gates are different, their strides are different, and so what happens is they inevitably just make, that's where crop circles came from, not aliens, freaks. Everybody knows that. I'm just kidding. Um, maybe, who knows? And, and so what's so fascinating about that to me is like some people, they, they even, they could even vocalize it, but they can't, they can't connect the dots. They're like, man, I just don't feel like I'm getting anywhere in my life. I feel like I'm just, I'm just going in circles. I feel like I'm just spinning. And I'm like, well, stop hanging out with the donkeys, bro. And it's just fascinating how you could get out of the situation that you're in. If you would change some of the circumstances surrounding the situation that you're in, but you don't want to change. You just keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. Also known as insanity. Okay, so do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And so the, the, the idea that's being presented here is that, that it is okay in, in being peaceful doesn't mean that we accept everything as good or right. It means that in being peaceful, we can say that this is the truth or this is what I believe or this is what I believe God's word says and and this is what I'm speaking into this situation is life-giving. It's truth. You may not like it. You may not want it, but you need it, right? And so what communion has light with darkness? So the, the mentality in our world sometimes is like, well, peace is just accept everything that I do and approve of everything that I do, accept everything that I say and approve of everything that I say. But, but the reality is it's okay for you to say that good is good and wrong is wrong and, and evil is evil and, and good is good, right? And all of the other different things that you could use to juxtapose in that situation. Everybody fully confused yet? So, so if this, this world peace world peace mentality, which is absolutely impossible as long as sin is in the world, if, if that's an impossibility, then what does it mean to be a peacemaker in our world? 
I think to, to get a kind of a better understanding of this, you've got to, again, consider context. So Jesus was not just, you know, this great teacher. Jesus wasn't just, you know, the, the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world to take away the sins of the world, although he was those things, and, and that was, again, probably the, the highest expression of his mission. But while he was here, he was also a Jewish rabbi. He was a teacher of kind of the, the, the Jewish Old Testament ideas, beliefs, religious system. In fact, he was so good at it, when he was very young, he would go into the synagogues and he would start teaching the older people. And the older people were like, who, who, who this, right? Who is this? Like, who's this young cat coming in here telling us things? There's no way that somebody this young would have the knowledge and wisdom that this young fella has. And so Jesus, being a rabbi, would be very familiar with the concept of shalom which is the, the Hebrew word for peace. And I don't even like to use the, the word word in that situation. Shalom is more of an idea, right? In fact, it was, it, it was so broad that it was even used as a greeting. Like instead of saying hello and goodbye, they would say shalom, shalom, like hello and goodbye. It's all in, it's, it's not, why can't we have just like, let's simplify things. And so now we got to say hello, we got to say goodbye. What if we turned it around? What if we say say goodbye when you saw somebody and hello when they left? Think about it. So, so the, the concept of shalom is, is so much bigger than, than kind of our understanding of peace. Shalom is this. It includes ideas like peace, harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, and tranquility. Like, like all of us. Not just because what we want, we, we view peace as the absence of conflict. Which, let me just, let me help you out with that. That is going to be such a... a it's a unicorn in your life to have a, a season in your life where there is no conflict. Like it, it may happen. It's probably going to be short lived. It's kind of like the old idea. It's like when everything's good in your life, how many of you, how many of you guys are kind of skeptical? Any, any, any people that are a little skittish about life? Like, so when everything's good in my life, I'm like, what's, what's coming? Like what's fixing to happen? Anybody else look at the world like that? Okay. Got it. No, that you were scratching. You weren't right. Oh, never mind. Don't call other people out. You can't do that. And so the idea that we have of peace so often is like, well, it's just the absence of conflict. But peace kind of from this idea or this, this premise of shalom, it's so much more than that. It's, it's harmony. It's wholeness. It's completeness, prosperity, welfare, and tranquility. And I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not yet, depending probably on your age and your life experience, but you're not going to find a lot of those things in the pursuits of this life, right? All of the things that you thought, all of the things that you were told kind of, you know, growing up that you could do that would make you happy, that would make you, again, feel validated or worthy or any of the things that we do that, that make us, that we think kind of, again, connect us to our purpose. You're not going to find those things in this world. You were not built for this world. You were built with eternity in your hearts. And so you can pursue all of these different things in life and, and again, do all of this different stuff and, and just give all of your energy, effort, time, and love to something or someone, and you're not going to find wholeness or completeness in, in those things. Even, let me, let me be really offensive since we, we like to do this, with relationships, like we're looking for the one right? The, the one. And, and what do we believe that the one is going to do for us? You complete me. If, if you find your completion in another person, 
Like, y'all are both broken. And that brokenness, like, you don't take two broken things and put them together and have something that's complete. Our completion is found in the mender of broken hearts. Our completion is found in the one who came to the earth to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Jesus is the one who fixes the broken. Broken people don't fix broken people, cuz. And so if you jump from relationship to relationship and you think they're the ones that are broken, honey, there is a common denominator, and it just might be you. But it's, it's, we're presented these ideas that these things are going to make us happy and make us feel, I, I love the expression, a certain type of way, because nobody knows what that means. Um, well, if, if we knew what it meant, then we would express exactly what type of way that we're talking about with certainty, but we don't say that. We just say a certain type of way. And, and so we won't find these things. We won't find peace in all of these pursuits. I'm, I'm currently reading the, the book of Ecclesiastes which I kind of avoided for a long period of time in my life because Solomon, at this point in his life, I think he was pretty bitter. And when I was, I was younger, I was very, very ambitious and optimistic and, like, I had these big hopes and dreams of all these things that I wanted to do. And now I'm like, Solomon, you were right. You were right. And one of the things that he says, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, this is a message that you hear over and over in this, this, this book. It says this, Vanity of vanities. One version says, futility of futilities, says the preacher. And I love that he calls himself the preacher. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit has a man from all his labor in which he toils under the sun? And so the idea here is like at this point in his life, this, this dude has, has accomplished more than probably all of our accomplishments combined in the room. Right? You take all of our accomplishments, you put them together, and we still probably would not add up to the things that Solomon accomplished at this point in his life. And, and he looks across everything that he's created and everything that he's done and everything that he's worked so hard on. He's like, this ain't it. This isn't where the peace is found. The peace has got to be found somewhere else. And so to be a peacemaker, I believe it has to be deeper than what we tend to think of it as. It, it, it is to connect people, to be a peacemaker, is to connect people with the one who can do those things, who can provide this sense of purpose, who can provide this sense of affirmation, who can provide this sense of worth. Because, you know, again, this is the world that we look in or we live in. Everybody's running around looking for affirmation. Everybody's running around looking for validation. Everybody's running around looking for likes and, and, and all of these adulation and all these other shuns that, you know, just are just fury. In, it's intoxication, I guess. I'm thinking of a shun that we shouldn't shun. We should shun the shuns is what we should do. And so this is the world that we live in. And so we're looking and we're trying to find contentment and satisfaction and all these other things, but there's only one that bring those, brings those things. And so in order for us to be peacemakers, don't be a peacemaker, that's, that's not good. Well, I mean, I guess we, it's just a natural part of life, right? But to be, to be a peacemaker, what that means is that we are creating the environment in people's lives where they can then experience the peace of God that passes all understanding. We, we are just, we're simply trying to connect people. We're trying to redirect people. I understand that you've been told this all of your life. I understand that you think this about life and that this is going to make you feel the way that you want to feel. This is going to help you get to where you think you want to get. But I just want to connect you with the one 
who can actually do those things for you. I want to connect you with the one who loves you when you were unlovable, the one who, even though you were unworthy, made you worthy through his sacrifice on the cross. That's the one that I want to connect you with. And when I do that, when I'm very specifically focused on not just making people feel good, right? Not just kind of, you know, just word salading people and telling them all these nonsensical things, but just telling them that they have value because of who they are in Jesus, right? And the connection and relationship that they need to have with him. When we're doing that, we're very specifically being peacemakers. It's constantly pointing people to Jesus in the middle of all of the uncertainties of life. It's like, it's like making a cake. I've never made a cake. I've watched people make cakes, so I think this is how you make a cake. You, you, what you do, what we do in this particular instance is like we kind of just put in all the right ingredients. You don't make the cake. The oven makes the cake. You just mix all the, the ingredients together, right? And, and so what we're doing in people's lives is we're just putting all the, the right ingredients in place, and then we're putting it in the oven. We're not burning anybody, but we put it in the oven, and, and God is the one who, through those connections and us creating the conditions for them to have peace, he's the one that can bring the peace. Another way to think about it would be like kind of thinking about the rain. And just hear me out. I know that's, that's strange. Rain is one of the conditions necessary for growth, right? When we don't have rain for a long time, when it doesn't rain for 72 days in a row, or whatever it was, like everything starts to get brown and it starts to die. And my favorite tree in the whole world, rip, right? Um, it's terrible. It's frustrating. I mean, I even put like miracle Grow in that thing, like water in it. I'm still, still, I'm praying, laying hands on it, praying for it, getting itched up and scratched up. So, Rain is necessary for growth. Rain is necessary for life. And I think what we do is we, as peacemakers, what we do is we create, again, the conditions and the opportunity for those things to happen. And so we can help people experience that growth when we are ambassadors of this real peace that, that God has given to us. You can't give what you don't have, right? So, so don't, let, let's not fraudulently uh, share something with people that we don't have. That would make us con artists. What we do is we share what the peace of God that reigns in our hearts, the peace of God that rules in our hearts because of our understanding of who he is and who we're not. We then just share that with other people. And in doing that, we are making peace in their lives. And so we have to have this peace before we can share this peace with other people. And when you're, you're walking through life holding this treasure that other people are in search of, like I love this idea of a treasure map being real. How many of you are, are maybe kind of weird like that? In fact, there was, we saw one a few years ago. It's called Finn's Treasure. Has anybody else seen that? Yeah. Well, of course you saw it. We watched it together. <laughs> right? But the, apparently this guy, he was a, a wealthy old guy who, who liked puzzles and tricks, and he planted, he says he planted treasure somewhere basically from like Wyoming down to New Mexico, and he gives clues and like hundreds and hundreds of people, there are websites and YouTube videos and all these things dedicated to it. And I'm like, I just love the idea of, of a treasure hunt being a real thing, right? And, and here's what's so fascinating. We hold this treasure in our hands, this piece that God has given to us. It's not ours. He's given, given it to us. It's a treasure that we hold. And what's so, so fascinating about that idea is there are so many people in search of that treasure. Like the, the world around us, if you haven't noticed this, like open up your eyes, right? There are so many people that are desperate for the peace of God. They, they may not be able to call it that. They may not articulate it like that, but they are desperate for this peace that God gives 
that none of these other things have been able to deliver. None of these other things that were supposed to do what they said they were going to do, they didn't do. And now they're in search of, still in search of this peace. And that peace comes from one place. So, so you're holding a treasure. Go and share that treasure with other people. When we, we allow this, this peace to reign, that peace can reign in other people's hearts. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. We'll wrap up with this. It says this. It says, let the peace of Christ Rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. I believe that when that happens, when, when God's peace starts to rule in our hearts, what you start to have is kind of like this, this, you start to change the environment around you. You start to change the conditions around you, like your life changes, your, your spouse or your significant other, their life changes, your kids start to see a difference. The people who deal with you on a regular basis, the people who work with you, they start to see a difference and experience a difference and feel the difference, right? We are making peace, not just in our own hearts, but we are creating the conditions in other people's lives for them to experience peace. And that's what it means to be a peacemaker. And so what I want to do this morning, kind of as we, we wrap up, I know this is one of those things that preach is real good sometimes, right? But it's, it's also one of those things that it's a lot harder. It, it sounds good on Sunday. It feels bad on Monday, right? Whenever you get in those moments when you're in your head or you're dealing with, with life and the things that you have to go through, what I want to do this morning is I want to pray specifically for anybody that's, just, that's struggling with this. Maybe you don't have peace and you really want some peace, that, that you want the peace of God that passes understanding to be operating in your life. You want the peace of God to rule in your hearts. And when you think about this idea of something ruling, when the peace of God rules in your heart, that is the authority, not your circumstances, not how you feel, not what other people say about what you're going through. The peace of God is the authority in your life, and you make your decisions based on that. You, you, how you treat other people is based on that. So what I'm going to do this morning, I want to pray for anybody that's just, again, struggling with, with this peace. Maybe you've got anxiety. Maybe you've got fear. Maybe you've got doubts. And I want to pray that God will replace those with his peace that passes all understanding. Amen? So if, if you're here, just bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you're here and that's you, and you want me to pray specifically for you. I would love to join with you believing that God can take those things, those frustrations, those fears, those doubts, those anxieties, anything that would be an attack on the peace that he desires to have take place, take root in your heart. If that's you, can I, can I see your hand? I just want to know where you're at and pray for you. It's awesome. Awesome. Just go ahead and keep your hands up. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much. God, you are the Prince of Peace. God, and if, if you're the Prince of Peace and we are your children, God, we know that you will give us your peace. You said even a, a bad father gives good gifts to his kids. How much more then would a good father get, give good gifts to his children? This morning, God, we're just asking for your peace. And we're asking that in spite of whatever circumstances we may face, in spite of how we feel, what we're going through, the mess that we've made, whatever it is, God, I pray for every person in this room that the peace of God that passes all understanding would rule 
in their hearts, that it would be the authority, it would be the wisdom, it would be the place from which they make the decisions that they make. God, that it would be the prevailing emotion and sentiment in their life, that we would operate from a place of peace. God, and that we would see the fruit and effect of that, not just in our lives, but in the lives of those who are around us. God, let peace rest on our homes. Let peace rest on our families. Let peace rest on our our workplaces and our lives and all of our relationships as we allow your peace to rule and reign in our hearts. In Jesus' incredible name we pray. Amen.